This is Zhou Wantan. In part one, I listed seven forces as the problems that cause the capital insurrection. In this part two, I hope to provide a forum for sharing and exchanging your thoughts and ideas after I share some of mine and others about what caused the problem and how to solve them. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the solutions. I don't know enough and I doubt anybody does. All I hope is to stimulate us to think from multiple points of view and participate and contribute to a healthy debate for a better democracy and a more perfect union. Two possible solutions for the snakehead number one, 30 years of polarizing partnership collapsing into a dead end, and snakehead number six, the gridlocked and broken government. The answers may be in a parliamentary system and or the so-called rank choice voting to improve the existing election process. I will explain next. As you know, the dead end of us versus them extreme partisanship made it possible for Trump to give people the false choice between trusting our institutional democracy or trusting a president's personal power and his claims about the election being stolen. This is a wake-up call about how dangerously close we can come towards authoritarianism. A true democracy for the well-being of citizens and the public, as opposed to serving only money and power, should not be a winner-takes-it-all self-looping cycle. Is there any democracy with multi-party representatives where diverse and minority voices are heard rather than yo-yo swinging between just two parties? Yes, a parliamentary system like in Germany, France, UK, Japan, and other democracies provide a voice for minority voices and therefore is more stable. It took the horror of the Nazis' Third Reich hijacking democracy into the nightmare of Hitler's authoritarianism for Germany to develop their parliamentary democracy. If we don't learn from history, history will repeat itself. If we're willing to be open-minded enough to learn from other models of democracy, they're out there now. We really don't have to lose our democracy before we seriously improve our system. No doubt, it will take a long time to transform the American polarizing two-party system into a parliamentary system. In the interim, there is a fair and ingenious procedural way to use our existing two-party system to avoid the partisanship dead end. It is the final five votes and the rank choice voting as advocated in the book, The Politics Industry, How Political Innovation Can Break Partisan Gridlock and Save Our Democracy by Catherine Gell and Michael Porter, a Harvard Business School professor. This is how it works brilliantly. Under this new voting procedure, instead of two parties holding two primaries for electing state and federal legislators, there will be just one open, single ballot, nonpartisanship primary for either state or federal election in which the top five candidates qualify for the general elections. Ranked choice voting means that voters rank their candidates one through five. 
If one candidate wins 50% or more votes, that candidate is the winner. If no candidate gets 50%, drop the fifth place candidate off the ballot, but keep the second choice votes of those who voted for the now dropped off fifth place candidate and allocate these second choice votes to the other four candidates and see who among the remaining four receive at least 50%. If one of the remaining four now gets 50% thanks to the second choice votes added from the dropped off fifth place candidate, a winner emerges. This is like a pretend runoff. But if there's still no majority winner among the remaining four, no one gets 50% of the votes, take the fourth place candidate off the ballot and repeat the same runoff among the top three candidates by adding the second choice votes for the newly dropped off fourth place candidate to the total amounts of votes already received by the top three candidates in hope that one of these three will get 50% or more majority votes. Otherwise, drop the third place candidate off the ballot and hold yet another runoff among the top two candidates by applying the second choice candidates for the third newly dropped off candidates to the last two remaining top two candidates. Whoever gets 50% or more votes among the final two candidates wins. This voting system would provide elections, especially congressional races, with a level playing field for centrists, third parties, and independents. This system provides a more fair, better represented, more diverse pool of lawmakers and politicians who are not extreme versions of only two parties, thus alleviating the gridlock and one party hating the other entrenched standoff. I have summarized these five thoughts of mine as the premises for the above new ranked choice voting system. A. Extreme partisanship harms our country and democracy. B. An election, primary or general, is more fair when more diverse and higher numbers of voters participate. C. Extreme partisanship prevents getting legislation passed. A centrist majority from all parties leads to bipartisanship legislation. D. The primary election for either Democrat or Republican parties leave out any chance for independent candidates. Further, since a large portion of voters of any party do not participate in the primaries, either party's primaries highly likely produce extreme versions of their party or the populists. E. This system reduces the special interest control over election results with their large donations. The final five voting and the rank choice voting will be more fair, simpler, and better represented and will minimize the vicious and destructive extreme partisanship we have been experiencing. Disclaimer, I have not read the book, not yet. I urge those interested to read it. The above was my understanding and my own supplemental thoughts based on an article about this book, How to Break Up the Two-Party Duopoly by Arnold Kling. Possible solutions to snakehead number two, the out-of-control social media. Facebook, Google, Twitter, and 
other tech giants have way too much monopoly or oligopoly power over the kind of information, disinformation, and misinformation everyone gets, and over our institutional democracy. Every day, their hidden algorithms influence us with the kinds of information available to us, and unwanted ads forced upon the public. Private data of all citizens are used, misused, and sold for the gains of these monopolies. The only power above these monopolies is the United States federal government's antitrust law. Will the Biden administration have the audacity to grab the bull by the horn in protecting our national security, our privacy, our democratic institutions, and our country's unity against their unfettered powers? without jeopardizing our First Amendment right, and without killing the golden goose, the backbone of our tech-driven economy. It's not easy, but it must be done since national security and unity is at stake. Possible solutions to snakehead number three, a president who is a pathological narcissist and self-serving demagogue. Trump's presidency is by divide and conquer, pitting one part of the country against the other, and liberating dark forces for his own power. Trumpism is not vanishing overnight. It'll take time before the dust settles. For those who take our democracy for granted, I urge you to read about Joseph Stalin's Great Purge of 1937 in the former Soviet Union, where people turned on each other, even their own families, and millions got killed. Or read about China under Mao's communist regime and the Cultural Revolution, where citizens were mobilized to persecute one another. Tens, perhaps hundreds of millions of people died. Merely 50 and 60 years ago. A similar event happened just about 40 years ago in Cambodia under the Khmer Rouge. And don't forget the 6 million Jews that died in the, in the hands of the state machine in World War II. Nazi Germany. When Americans are led to choose between trusting our democratic voting system or trusting a president's personal claims, a house cannot stand if divided within, as Abraham Lincoln said. Either we stand by democracy or not. Possible solutions for snakehead number four, systemic racism. Embracing and celebrating our diversity and everyone is equal under the law is the very essence of our democracy, our values and ideas. As long as we hold the truth to be self-evident and worth fighting for that all men are created equal, racism and racial injustice have no place in what America stands for. The Biden administration has a golden opportunity to reform the immigration law that will keep supplying fresh blood for American innovation with talents from all corners of the world. Trump said, quote, don't come here anymore, we are full. The day when America closes its welcoming doors is the day when America will decline, if not already. We will lose global leadership in technology, arts, and humanity when we stop being an immigrant country. We are where we are because America is attracting the best talent from all around the world. Possible solutions for snakehead number five, decades of decline in mass education. 
Had we spent a portion of our huge military budget on improving the public education system, we would not have the embarrassment of those bizarre QAnon followers, the blind faith pawns storming the Capitol, and the believers of all kinds of far-fetched conspiracy theories on social media. A nation with an expanding population of uneducated and armed masses is a time bomb in and of itself. Education does not have instant gratification and immediate short-term results to show in four years or eight years, but it is the prerequisite for a functioning democracy. Who bears the responsibility to educate youth instead of sending them to either the military or to the streets or to the prisons? America has the largest incarcerated population among all industrialized nations. I hope someday that America will have the greatest number of college-educated youth in the world. Why isn't it a reality or even a possibility? Possible solutions to snakehead number seven, COVID-19 and an economic crisis. Just like public education has been neglected for far too long, the public health in America has been ignored, contrasted with cutting-edge cancer treatment technology. The pandemic has exposed many healthcare systemic problems and a lack of preparedness for public health crisis. Printing money to help Americans paying their bills is the last but necessary reactive measure which has negative economic repercussions down the road. Can Washington come together to formulate proactive plans and playbooks for dealing with all future pandemics so that we do not ever repeat the same loss of hundreds of thousands of lives ever again? So that we can nip it in the bud before it grows out of control. Many countries are doing way better than us in handling COVID-19. Can Washington learn from our painful and humiliating failures and absorb other countries' success? Again, I don't have all the answers. Can we count on our federal government to do their job in protecting us? Can we come together to revive America and keep the American dream alive for ourselves and for our children? What do you think? Please leave thoughts, comments, and contribute to the discussion. Thank you. About the author, Joanne Tan, that's me, is the founder and CEO of 10 Plus Brand Inc., a full-service multimedia branding and brand marketing agency. I'm the brand strategist, brand builder and marketer, and consultant, leading teams of professionals to decode brand DNA, create brand structures, strategies, and stories, and amplify brands digitally with AI-enabled content marketing and digital marketing. We partner with world experts in influencer marketing, digital marketing, and other renowned marketing leaders. Thank you. See you next time.